All right, for just a short while tonight, I want you to turn your Bible to the book of 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 4, for just a moment tonight. Just like to leave you with some encouraging words, something from Scripture, and uh, I think maybe we might need it if we're watching television and the news and what have you. Uh, And I'll tell you, let me say this to you, our problem is not contemporary music. Our problem is contemporary dogma and doctrine. Now, you need to realize that what folks are embracing today, the Bible stands against. Just today, city of Carrollton, Texas, city council voted that if you believe the Bible, city of Carrollton, Texas, cannot do business with you because of the contemporary lifestyles. Hey, that's not in New York. If you believe the Bible and you're a construction worker, you cannot work in the city of Carrollton and be paid by the city government. It's our problem. You know, we should have been screaming about this years ago. It's done on us. And uh, uh, they look at us like we're out of left field. I read in my Bible one day that God created Eve and Adam. Hmm? Not Steve and Adam. And I'm sorry. There's just no other lifestyle in the Bible. Unless it's a sinful lifestyle. And you and I and our church are going to be confronted with that. And you all know where I'm going to stand. Amen, buddy. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not swerving from the Word of God. You'd forget that if you want to. If you want to do that, let me. Let me. I want to talk to you tonight about this thing: how to keep on keeping on. How to keep on keeping on, or what do we do when hard times or disturbing times or disturbing events? Come knocking at our door. When somebody looks at you and says, that's your nose, you're eating a banana. You can either act like Christ or you can turn tail and run. Paul said in chapter 4 of the book of 2 Timothy, now I'm not going to jump on anybody's case tonight. You just need to know where we stand. And we stand with the word of God. We do not apologize for the word of God. We stand on the King James word of God. We do not stand on any other one because all the rest of them got different and sundry verses with different and sundry meanings. And the Baptist article of faith says, now listen, we believe that the word of God is the final authority in faith and in practice. 
So I've got to have one final authority and I cannot have a final authority if I've got 10 of them and all of them disagree. So preference-wise, and um, I prefer the King James Bible, and that's what we're going to use, and that's what we're going to stand on, and that's what we're going to fall on when everything else starts happening. Amen. Now, if you're in Mexico, you can't do that because the King James is not translated into the Spanish language yet. I guess you knew that. I could tell the way you look. You, you understand that. So if I was preaching in Mexico, I would preach the King James and they'd translate it in King Gina or something. I have no idea what they did. Paul said in verse number six of 2 Timothy chapter four, I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Some believe that this was written from his second imprisonment in Rome and Nero has blood in his eyes and Paul has already been convicted and they're going to decapitate him in just a few days. And he's writing, he said, for I'm ready to be offered. The reference is to the drink offering. And when they offered a drink offering, they filled a cup, glass, a chalice, whatever, with that which is to be offered. And uh, the one who offered the sacrifice would take this cup and completely pour it out on the altar. Paul said, I am ready to be poured out completely, totally. I was sold out years ago. Now I'm ready to be poured out as an offering for my Lord. Because my time of departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. Wonder why we think Christians are not in a fight. Paul said, I'm in a, I've fought a good fight. If you were to read 1 Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, you would see the things that has happened to Paul. And I believe if you and I were honest, if we read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you would see Paul there experiencing probably every single emotion that you and I are confronted with as a Christian. Beaten, imprisonment, stoned to death, shipwrecked, forsaken by his friends. Demas hath forsaken me. Luke only is with me in 2 Timothy. If you and I were to check up on Paul, probably the greatest Christian ever lived, he has suffered and experienced every emotion that you and I will go through. And he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all them also that love his appearance. The Apostle Paul finished his course. May I say to you before this week is over, somebody or something will come along your way to try to put a detour in your course. It might be a kid, might be a husband or a wife. It might be a policeman. It might be a family member. It might be a a, a co-worker. But the devil knows what to do to sidetrack us. And I don't care who you are, you're going to experience these things. If you're a Democrat or Republican or a nothing or something, you are going to experience problems, contemporary problems, problems that I have never faced before. I've never heard, I was raised in the South. I, was, I never heard of a black face. Well, that's racism, you know. I, I never heard of that. I was raised in the deepest part of the South. I remember the two different water fountains. I remember riding the bus and certain people was not welcome in the front seats. I remember all that. I was raised in all that. And I think the dumbest thing in the world is to look at color and not look at people. And I think Jesus loves all of us. And I think the gospel is applicable to all of us. And I believe ever, all of us can be saved. But you can't even sneeze. If you sneeze toward the south, you're a racist. If you have a horse, then probably you were in the cavalry at Confederates and they're going to kill your horse or move it to another pasture. That's stupid. And you're living in that time. And, and I, I never heard of those things. And so today we get puffed up because somebody talks about our music. Hey, man, our music is not the problem. Our, our problem today is we're living in a different culture. We're living in a different time when our president's got to get up and, and condemn uh, socialism in this country. We're in problem, man. Amen. We 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 have problems. I heard someone say today. One somebody said today that what they're trying to do is, is to improve capitalism. You know, and that's something. We're the richest country in the world. We throw more food away than most folk will ever eat. We drive around in the cars. We'll be ashamed ourselves for complaining because we don't have cruise control. And we're trying to improve. Dear God, we need a little help, don't you think? And, and you know, we, we have all of these things confronting us and then we have accidents, amen. 
accidents, a car breakdown, sickness, and all of that. We have occupational problems. I know none of you ever have any occupational problems. Nobody at work ever gives you a hard time. No, nobody do that. I know you never have any month left over when your money runs out. I know you never have any of that. The bank's always just so pleasantly pleasant to you when you accidentally forget a check. I know that. They, they just said, well, now we charge the preacher. We just don't charge you. Let me tell you something. These terms and these problems that we're facing were not just exclusive to our day. Have you ever read Job 5 and 7? Man is born unto problems or troubles as spark fly upward. Why should it surprise us when somebody comes along and punch a hole in your balloon and you go... Why should it surprise us if we're familiar with texts like Job 14.1? Man that is born of woman is of a few days, you know the rest of it, and full of trouble. Why is it we want to chip in the towel and throw in the towel and stay home from church when something comes down the pike that hurts our feelings? You know, I read the other day, Psalms 1943, trouble and anguish have taken a hold on me. Seems often, as a pastor, I stand by a bedside at the edge of the abyss watching somebody move into eternity and I don't know what to say. They're my friends and they're leaving where I make a visit to the emergency room, a car accident, a heart attack, a kidney attack. Those times are going to come. And they don't come so you can fold your tent and give up and give out and excuse yourself. Those times are going to come. In the book of Acts, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And it seems like everywhere he stops, somebody says, Paul, you can't go to Jerusalem. And they'll take their coat and they'll wrap Paul up. And they'll tie his hands and says, the Holy Spirit of God told me that if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to bind you. They're going to tie you up. They're going to incarcerate you. They're going to send you to Rome. And more than likely, you'll die. And you know what Paul said? None of these things move me. Neither count I life dear unto myself that I might finish my course and my ministry with joy. I'd like to talk to you tonight about what happens when you feel like quitting. What, do you, what happened? What, what can we do when it just seems like everything's going against us? Now, I know nobody here is like that, but just in case you find somebody, you can run into them, you might, <laughs> you might help them a little bit. Amen? Amen. What do I do? Now, I, I'm new at this. I haven't been doing it just right little Short of 100 years. That's kind of like we had a short of 500 on that prayer meeting, isn't that right? 
<laughs> and uh, somebody said, what was the offering Sunday? Enough. Mission accomplished. Enough came in to do all that we were trying to do. To God be the glory. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad of that? Sunday was about a heart. Wasn't about an m- amount. It was what's in here. Not what's back here. And so mission accomplished. Everything's ready. Everything going. We're looking for a 37 model van. <laughs> we don't Jim and Brian get too proud. We, we're trying to find one that'll uh, keep them humble, right? Keep them humble, you know. We got one of them, right, guys? <laughs> uh, uh, we got 12 buses. Only 11 of them's not running. To God be the glory. Now, Sure the world, this week, next week, week from now, sometime, somebody can come, come up to you. If you read the book of Philippians, let me give you how to outline the book of Philippians. There's four chapters in the book of Philippians. And in the book of Philippians, it deals with joy, how to have joy unspeakable and full of glory, how to keep the joy of your salvation, how, how to keep the enthusiasm and the fun and the excitement. How do you do that? And chapters one, two, three, and four deals with the four enemies that's going to rob you of your joy. Read the book of Philippians and you'll find that the devil will send people along just to rob you of your joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they'll walk up to you and, and just say things that just absolutely makes all the air go out of your balloon. And people can't do it. Chapter 2 says circumstances will do it. You don't ever have circumstances coming your way you don't understand, right? Like getting thrown off a horse. I don't know anybody that's ever done that. See, that guy got thrown off the horse is always telling me, keep in the middle. Well, he kept in the middle and the horse threw him over the middle. <laughs> Circumstances will come your way, right? Uh, today, somebody called me uh, and uh, or texted me, uh, I think, and Brother Green got lost today and they had to find Brother Green. Uh, and, and Brother Harper and him had to find Brother Green. Brother Green just, every once in a while he gets the idea and wants to go someplace and he ain't supposed to be going someplace, but he goes anyhow and so they have to find him. Circumstances. Either that or your kid walks up to you and says, could I go to the prom and get drunk? Well, what if they do? Because circumstances and kids and people, people will rob you of your joy. Worry will rob you of your joy. Those four chapters deal with that. Now, let me help you tonight quickly. I've got, it's 737. I really don't know how close that is to 8 o'clock, but we'll hurry. The first thing I do 50-some years I've been in the ministry now, 50-some years. And, of course, I'm fortunate. I'm not like you. Nobody's ever hurt my feelings. None of my friends has ever said anything to me. I've just had it smooth. But I told God that if something came my way that rocked my boat, that shook me up, that made me mad, that disappointed me. I promise God, if that ever happens, number one, I, like Paul, would check my commitment. Who or what am I committed to? 
And that will make a lot of difference. Because if you're committed to people, people disappoint you. If you're committed to a church, the church is made up of people and they'll disappoint you. And if you're married to a wife, you are a lucky varmint. But if you are married to a husband, that's your fault. Right? But when things come my way, over these many years, I had nobody to run to. I had no pastor. Nobody liked me. Nobody had any confidence in me. When I went into evangelism, not one preacher in America would recommend me to any church in America. Not one. Not one. After I've been in evangelism for about five years, all of them want me to raise money for them. Strange, isn't it? I said, strange, isn't it? And so what did I do? When the family seems to be against you and when the world seems to be against you and all your, all your brethren say, what do you do? i tell you what you do. You check your commitment. Paul said, I'm ready to be offered. I didn't get in this thing to quit halfway through. I didn't get in this thing the first time somebody threw a rock at me. I didn't get in this thing until I got wet in a seesaw. He said, I am committed. And none of these things moved me. Nothing, nothing, none of these things are going to move me because I am committed to a course that my God set for me long ago. I'm just going to keep plowing, buddy, until he comes and gets us. Now, if you're married, you're going to have difficulties. If you've got kids, that's how many difficulties you got. Plus two, you and her. Amen. And you say, well, when they get up and married and gone, that is, that's heaven. You're reading a different Bible than I'm reading. But thanks be unto God. Paul said, I am committed. Paul said, I'm committed to finish. I'm committed to a good fight. I'm committed to a course. I'm committed to the faith. I'm committed to God. And when God dies, then I'll quit. And until he does, I'll be there. Ladies, your husband would like to know that you're that committed to your marriage. Ladies, moms and dads, your family needs to know you're that committed to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are, there'll not be all of that anxiety and all of that doubt. You just need to get check your commitment out. Well, I just feel like quitting. Pastor a church a while and see how Monday rolls around. That's got to be settled long before Monday gets here. Amen. I told Ginger years ago, for better or for worse, and it did. Huh? For better or for worse, it got bitter a lot of times. For richer or poor, we've been so broke. 
You squeeze a nickel till the buffalo grunts. Yes, sir. Little kids so hungry, snapping at the doorknobs. That's why Andrew had to have all that teeth work. He caught one of them. Amen. You understand what I'm talking about? Paul said, I am ready to be offered. I've finished my course. I am committed. And every once in a while, we just need to check our commitment. Husbands and wives, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence unless something is put in the grass to make it green. And when you get over and walk around barefoot, you find out you're on the good side of the fence to start with. Amen. Some of you guys need to go home and look in the mirror and say, boy, my wife didn't get a very good deal on this trail. <laughs> and just hang around and commit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Commit to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, for this reason shall the man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. One flesh. Oh, really? Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ at Calvary in the marriage, the church and himself died, died. When you stand before the preacher and husband, you say better for worse, you're dying. You're loving your wife so much that you have your Calvary, you're dying in like manner. You can't leave her, you're dead. (laughs) That was free, didn't cost you a thing. And did you know the Bible does not command the wife to love the husband? It commands the wife to reverence and respect her husband. And that's earned. Didn't have anything to do with the sermon, but I thought I'd pitch it out there because I was running out of something to say. But over these 50 years, 50 plus years, and there's been hard times, and there have been tight times, there have been difficult times. been times when I sit in the office in there, and my little old wife, scared to death that the offering's not going to go far enough. And there been times I was sitting in the office, and little old Mary come to my office weeping, I'm talking about weeping, and said, Preacher, we're short this week in the school and we need five or $6,000 to pay the payroll. And see, there's nothing to this. There's just absolutely nothing to it. But for 52 years, over and again, I've had to check my commitment. Amen. And to who am I committed to? Amen. Paul said, I'm committed. I'm ready. I finished. Now watch. When difficulty comes, 
I've, I've learned over the years. Look at verse 9 and verse 11. I want you to see this. And you know, you've got to be careful with this now. There's going to be times when things come up. And Paul says to young Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmata. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark, bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. In jail, could be looking out the window at the guy sharpening the huge axe that's going to decapitate him just in a little while. And he said, Timothy, would you hurry? I, I just need Christian fellowship. Timothy, would you hurry? Bring Mark with you. Oh, he's the one that I wouldn't go on another missionary trip with, but he's profitable to the ministry. I, I've forgiven Mark for that. When you feel like quitting and you feel like things are about to cave in, find your Christian spiritual friend. Spiritual Christian friend. Not a Christian, a spiritual Christian friend that has a walk with the Lord who has their commitment in the right place. Brother Andrew's door is always open. Mine is always open. Don't throw the towel in. Finish. You said, well, I'm the only one left. No, you're not. That's what Elijah said. And God said, I got 7,000 ain't bowed their knee yet. No, you're not the only one. Find somebody. Drop them a note. Encourage them. Find somebody. Don't give up. Don't give in. Well, they'll judge me. No, they won't judge you. They're worse than you are. They've already talked to me before you got there. <laughs> Amen. You say, why would anybody quit? Because I'm the preacher and I discourage them sometimes. And I don't try to. Verse 11, when you feel like quitting, verse 11, the Bible says, only Luke is with me. Take Mark, bring him with me, with thee. For he is profitable to me. Now watch this, for the ministry. The guy's in jail. He's already received a verdict. He could be dying tomorrow but he's still in the ministry today. You like that? Somebody said, preacher, when are you going to retire? When I get retarded. You know, I don't see retirement in the Bible. Just like I don't see church administration in the Bible. It's not in there. Just like I don't find uh, pulpit committees in the Bible. Just a lot of stuff in the Bible we ain't doing and one of them retiring. You say, when, when are you going to quit? Yesterday. <laughs> Amen? If I would retire, 
from the ministry, that would give you an excuse to quit. Why should I get to retire and you keep going? So I don't think we all ought to look for the undertaker. We ought to look for the uppertaker. I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for a hole in the sky, son. I am not worried about tomorrow for I know who holds tomorrow. So you know what you do when you feel like quitting? Just continue. Just continue. Check your commitment and find your Christian buddy that you can trust who won't run off at the mouth like somebody grabbed them there and flushed them. Somebody to keep your mouth shut. Somebody you can be accountable to. Somebody you can pray with. Somebody that loves you for who you are and not what they can get out of you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. In the most discouraging times of my life, in cold motel rooms in Ohio and up north, when back when we was having the, the power shortage and them cheap Yankees locked them stinking thermostats up and them was the coldest rooms in God's creation. And I'd lay in them beds and it was so cold, son, and they couldn't get to the, couldn't get to the thermostat because they had them locks on them and they had it set at 32 degrees. That's figuratively speaking, of course. Cold and lonely and seeming nobody cares. Just nobody cares. And I'd put on a gospel CD. No, it wasn't a CD back then. It was eight track. <laughs> you probably don't know what eight track is. And then we graduated. I used to sell them records this big with that hole in the middle. You know, you used to make records. Huh? The records weren't any good, but I told them they could plug up the hole and feed their cat on it. And they bought them anyhow, you know. But oh, I get so discouraged and want to quit. Seem like nobody cares. Have you ever felt sorry for yourself and just feel like, you know, you just, nobody cared? I'd put on one of those gospel records. Pretty soon I'd be up in the middle of bed with my shoes off, jumping up and down, shouting, praising God in the middle of the and just checking my commitment. And just determined to continue on. And then I'd read about a fella who was shipwrecked, beaten, misunderstood, imprisoned, and finally beheaded. And he said, I'm ready to be offered up. Hmm? I finished my course. Amen. I fought a good fight. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness one of these days. And all those that love his appearing will meet Paul at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where God will pass out the crowns. There ain't no crown for quitting. There's no excuse for quitting. I think I'll just Continue. And all of God's people said? Amen. Amen. Yeah, just 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 hold on and and uh, 
Let me give you this before we go. Verse 13. This is very important now. This is the utmost importance. The cloak that left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee the books. Now watch this. But especially the parchments. Over these many years, there's been times I'd have to check my commitment. Now I've done that over and over and over for 50 years. There's been times when I've just had to call a Christian friend. Never shall forget a good friend of mine was pastoring in Wichita Falls, Texas. He's in heaven today. He's crazy. He was crazy. He and I weren't the same school together. And one afternoon, he called me. I was passing up Fort Worth. He said, Preacher, I'm preaching for you tonight. I said, Oh, you are? He said, Yeah, I'll be down this afternoon. I'll preach for you. I said, Well, brother, is there a problem? He said, You just need somebody to preach for you. I'll be down after a while. So he drove down. Sat in my office. He said, Preacher, I've got a woman in my church that is chasing me like a hound dog. Said she'll even come over at my house. And my wife can be in the other room. And she'll be grabbing on me. She said, I don't know what to do. I said, now, brother, let me tell you what you do. Now, this is great advice. Tell your wife. And Mrs. So-and-so did work that deal out. Amen. 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 Now, I've called a lot of preachers and said, how come the women always chase the ugly guys and there's none after me? (laughs) I've never had any problem. But I'll tell you, some of the ugliest dudes in the world have problems with women. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And they tell me, and I said, you kidding? I said, are they blind? Uh, Ignorant and stupid? I've never had that problem. But folks... That's what Christian friends are for. Now, there's folks in this church I can confide in. Now, I don't have any preacher friends except maybe Dr. House, and he'd put it in his paper. But, I, you know, Christian men in this church is who I confide in. And when I hurt, I go to some of them. And when they hurt, they come to me, and they encourage me, and I encourage them, and that's what, that's what a family's for, amen? And this is a family. I love you. I love you probably as deep as I love any of my in my natural kids and my natural family. And uh, when you hurt, I hurt. And when I hurt, I want you to hurt. <laughs> the Bible said, "When one rejoices, all ought to rejoice. When one suffers, all ought to suffer." Is that not so? Because we're the body of Christ and members in particular. And so, from time to time, I have to check my commitment. Am I serving the dollar? Am I serving materialism? Am I serving a church or am I serving our wonderful Lord? I have to check that out. I'm sure many of us be wise to do the same thing. Amen. Amen. And from time to time, I have to 
go to a Christian friend. No, it's Brother Andrew. I got a pastor. <laughs> First time I've had a pastor in years. Yeah. And then I just determined I'm going to continue. But then I have to stay in God's book. Especially Paul said, I'm in prison. I'm going to die. It's cold and it's damp. It's very uncomfortable. But Timothy, bring those books that he has in. Especially bring the scriptures, the parchment. Stay in that book. Stay in the book. Well, I don't understand it. Read it till you do. Read it and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Especially, especially when times get hard. Stay in a book for comfort. Stay in a book for consolation. Stay in a book for communion. Stay in a book to keep you ever aware that he's coming. And I'd hate for him to come five minutes after I quit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Paul said, I'm finished my course. I fought the fight. Henceforth, I'm ready to be offered. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.